At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You're listening to the best of the best of the best of MIP. With honors. This is Naked Pine. Naked Pine. MIP. With Massimella Matsumal. Mark Thompson. Naked Pine. Get woke. Folks, we often criticize uh, the mainstream media, the Beltway media, for not doing enough coverage of this topic. But I, too, we here are also guilty. We don't talk about it enough. There should be, as far as I'm concerned, 24-hour cable channels or podcast networks on this very subject. Uh, And I think people would watch it in this day and age. Maybe that's an idea. Somebody ought to do that. In the meantime, in that vein, and to continue to keep us informed, and enlightened in the interim. We have a very distinguished guest. She is the chief scientist of the Nature Conservancy. She's been called by the New York Times, one of the nation's most effective communicators on climate change. She's a Canadian climate scientist living in Texas. And she is also a United Nations champion of the earth and the face of the ad campaign Science moms. So we're happy to have with us to talk about her new book, Saving Us, a climate scientist case for hope and healing in a divided world. Dr. Catherine Hayhoe joins us now. Dr. Catherine, how are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. And I have to add too, my husband is a reverend himself. And oh. so I passed that title by him. I said, you know, saving us sounds slightly sacrilegious. I'm not trying to say that we usurp the saving power of Christ, but <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, our future is in our hands. Is that okay? And he's like, yeah, that's okay. I think people will get it. <laughs> well, no, no, it, it, it's more than okay. Yeah. Because if, if, if saving part of Christ would want us to save us, he would want us to do I mean, if you really want to get into that, and 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 I, 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 it does mention in your bio, you're an evangelical Christian. I was going to get to that, but but since you brought that up, um, it, it is it not scriptural that God gave us dominion over the earth? So if it's messed up, who who's that on? <laughs> right, right, really. If you really want to get into it. <laughs> And and so to that point, since you are evangelical um, in in terms of your husband and his ministry and and your ministry somewhat, Mm -hmm. uh, and you're in Texas of all places, um, is this a conversation you're able to have with fellow evangelicals? Is there a level of interest? Um, Is it is where is that? 
that there is. And I okay. will tell you that I found this out when people started to ask me questions. In fact, when, when we first moved to Texas, you can probably tell I'm not from Texas. I'm actually Canadian originally. My husband's originally from Virginia. When we moved to Texas and he started to pastor his church, he started to get a ton of questions from people because they had never met a real life climate scientist. And they didn't want to ask me, the pastor's wife, questions like, is everything you do a hoax? You know, mm -hmm. that's a little bit rude to just sort of come up and ask. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but they asked him. And so he would come home and he would ask me, what about this? What about that? Do you have an answer for this? And I'd be like, well, yes, I do. Or I'm not sure. Let me look it up. And so that's actually how we wrote our first book together called A Climate for Change, Global Warming Facts for Faith-Based Decisions. And so since then, I've gone on and I actually have a little YouTube series called Global Weirding. And I make little episodes about frequently asked questions. And mm -hmm. one, one of them is about religiously sounding questions. Like if God is in control, why does this matter? If the world's going to end anyways, why do we care? And you wouldn't believe it, but for a long time, that was the number one most watched episode. Wow. Well, it's, well since you brought that up too, what's the answer? Well, if, the if, hmm? what's your answer? If, if you ask that question, what do you have to say? If, if it's all going to end anyway, and you know, we're going to go to God, what difference does it make? Well, Interestingly, people back then when they were writing the New Testament were exactly the same as us. And there were people in the city of Thessalonica who said, oh, well, if if Christ is returning soon, then we'll just quit our jobs and lay around and wait and, you know, Maranatha, come, Lord, come. And so the Apostle Paul writes to them and he basically says in a nutshell, get a job. <laughs> Take care of the widows and the orphans, you know, feed your family. Don't be a leech, you know, um, feeding off the church. We don't know the day or the time, he says elsewhere. And so we are called to walk in the good works that God has prepared for us in advance. We're not called to just fold our hands and wait for heaven. We are called to express God's love to people here on this earth. And so my favorite Bible verse and the one that I actually end my book with is in Timothy. And it's where Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, and I just think this verse is so perfect for our time. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. How mm. much fear do you see in the media? How much fear do you see in conversations today? We are driven by fear today. And it says, God has not given us that spirit. So if we are reacting out of fear, that is not of God. But it goes on, it says, God has given us a spirit of power, which basically means we are not paralyzed in inaction. We can act. We have agency. We're empowered. God has given us a spirit of love so we can consider others' needs above our own. And as a scientist, this last one is my favorite. He's given us a sound mind yeah. to make good decisions based on the information, some of which comes from his creation through science. So with these incredible gifts, if we actually live them out, no fear, power, love, and a sound mind, the world would look so different. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's actually uh, quite profound. I like that. Uh, uh, get a job um, uh, <laughs> um, and, and take care of the widows and the orphans. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, well, hey, uh, Dr. Hayhoe has preached. Lord, it's time to pass that around, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the collection plate and the benediction. I mean, you just said it. You just, you just preached the word in here today. That's that's <laughs> that's actually a profound. And you're right. I remember Nancy Pelosi saying that in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, and she's Catholic. She said, yeah, I believe in God, but God created scientists and gave us wisdom. You know, so we should we should hear it. The book, folks, is saving us in the news just in the past few days. The Biden administration and we, we we've had on the show recently the White House climate advisor, 
Mm. Um, and this is a new position, uh, <laughs> never before in the White House. And we talked mm -hmm. about the, the Biden administration and them deciding uh, to try to go through OSHA to come up with regulations to protect workers from extreme heat. Mm -hmm. um, do those types of things give you hope and encouragement that um, um, the government is is at least is getting this because they play a role in this, don't they? They've they've got to do something, right? We all do, from the government on down. And it's not just the federal government, right? It's states, it's cities. We can make decisions at every level. And I'm very encouraged that they're finally recognizing the importance of climate justice. Because climate change affects all of us, mm -hmm. but it affects people who are already marginalized, living in low-income neighborhoods, living in flood zones with you know, outdoor jobs, uh, people living in areas with poor air quality, which also makes them more vulnerable to COVID as well. Those are the people who are more vulnerable to the impacts of climate change, and that is just not fair. I mean, I did a study in California 20 years ago where we looked at how it was getting hotter and hotter because of climate change, and mm -hmm. we looked at who it would affect most. And of course, unsurprisingly, Hispanic and Black workers who had to work outside in California, were, their health was most affected by the increasing mm -hmm. temperature. And then right beside them, you got the people who cannot afford their AC bills. And it gets so hot, especially in some places like Phoenix, that you can't even send your kids outside to play in the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah. And one of my colleagues, um, Patricia, she lives in Phoenix, and she looks at heat-related deaths. So she was looking at a map of the data, and she saw this block that was bright red. And she thought to herself, this must be an error in the data. Why would a whole block be bright red? You know, the entire block. So then she was driving to school, to the university, thinking about it, using Google Maps. And she looked and she looked on Google Maps and she's like, it's a, that whole block is full of mobile homes. Mobile homes where the people don't own the plot they're on. They can't plant trees to shade their home. They can't insulate their homes. They often have, yeah. might have broken windows. That is where people are dying because of the heat. Yeah, yeah. More MIP after this message. Do you feel as if you are are making uh, progress and, mm -hmm. and you're considered effective communicator? Folks, I'm sorry I failed to mention she's also professor at Texas Tech, right? Yes. Uh, and I see by your Twitter, you just joined TikTok. I did. That'll be fun. I think so. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous. I'm not a good dancer. <laughs> are you going to do uh, climate-related content on TikTok? And make a hundred percent uh climate and fun yes both of those yeah. together i'm actually yeah. thinking i'll give you a tiny little preview of what i'm thinking i'm mm -hmm. thinking of doing a series on numbers that nobody knows there's yeah. a lot of numbers that people don't know hmm. let me give an example okay 90. that's the number of companies that are responsible for two-thirds of heat trapping gas emissions since the dawn of the industrial era 90. 90. yes do they do they still exist those companies a lot of them do. 20 of them are responsible for 35% of the problem since 1960, and they wow. all exist. How many of them are in the United States? Quite a few, not quite half. Mm. The United States and Europe. And then there's some mm. in Russia, there's some in there's Brazil, Venezuela, Mexico, Middle East. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then I'll give you one other number that's horrifying. And believe me, these are depressing numbers, but we'll get to mm -hmm. good numbers too. 
Mm-hmm. Nine million. Okay. That's the number of people who die prematurely from air pollution from burning fossil fuels every year. Around the world. Around the world. And around the world, we've seen about four and a half million deaths from COVID so far. And, and every premature death is a tragedy. I mean, I know people who've lost their lives to COVID too, and I'm sure you do too. But we know about COVID. COVID is at the top of the headlines every day. But yet something that is responsible for nearly 9 million deaths every year is never mentioned. Yeah. I think there needs to be a lot of TikTok videos about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I support it. I can't wait to subscribe to your TikTok. That, that's, that's amazing. But, uh, but back to the other, because I do want to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. You, you identify as an evangelical. Now, in many people's contexts, um, that is considered... Uh, and it may not be in your context, mm-hmm. but, I, but I want to ask you, may not. Mm-hmm. So when you say evangelical to a lot of folks, that means conservative. And it does. Republican. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, is 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 that group? Because I mean, I think that's one of the major groups we need to kind of bring along because that's where the resistance is. And we just mm-hmm. had a president and his resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Do you feel a calling to try to inform and convert some of them to the Ministry of Climate Science? Well, I'm not trying to convert them. I'm trying to hold up a mirror, like it says in the book of James. You're like the man who looked in the mirror and went away and forgot who he was. I'm Mm. trying to hold up the mirror and remind people who my personal definition of evangelical, a theological evangelical, someone who takes the Bible seriously. And so my goal is to hold up the mirror and if they recognize themselves in that mirror to be who they are. Sadly, today in the U.S., evangelical is a political term. And, you know, when Trump was elected, they surveyed people coming out of the exit polls and they said, did you vote for Trump? Do you consider yourself an evangelical? And then if they did, they asked them one more question. And this is the question that pollers use to see how serious people are about their faith. And they simply said, how often do you go to church? And you know what? Half the people who identified as evangelical said Never. And so for a lot of people today in the U.S., evangelical means a certain political ideology. Their statement of faith is literally being written by their politics rather than the Bible. And if Mm. the two come into conflict, they will go with politics over the Bible. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. You 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 drop in, uh, as we say, uh, that'll preach. That'll preach yes. too. Uh. <laughs> and, and I will say to this, I, I have thought about no longer wow. calling myself evangelical because of all of the people who use that as a political term that stands for everything 180 degrees from what the Bible actually says. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. people say, well, how can evangelicals say that? And I say they haven't, they literally haven't read the Bible. So mm-hmm. I've thought about not saying that I'm evangelical, about saying, you know, I'm, I'm Protestant or I'm a Christian, which I am both, or I'm a theologically evangelical. But I thought about it and I decided, I will be damned if I let them pervert the meaning of the gospel without standing up and calling them out on it. Yeah. More MIP after this message. But I also think, too, I would say the value in you calling yourself that, mm-hmm. I think it probably helps keep you, it allows you to keep getting in the door amongst those who most need that mirror held up before them. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean that does inspire a level of curiosity. Because I saw it, climate scientist evangelical. Oh, this is this is interesting. 
right? Yes, yes. And and, and I think that that, that helps. Mm -hmm. And even what you just shared about what a real evangelical is supposed to be anyway, mm -hmm. you know, because because the, the thing about this 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 faith that we're in or any faith for that matter is that at different points along the way it does convict you. Mm -hmm. That's what it does. That's what it's supposed to do. We all get kind of mm -hmm. uh, 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 convicted. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I laugh. I uh, The church I grew up in in Nashville, I no longer live in Nashville, but uh, one of the blessings of this this virtual culture we're in, I'm now able to go to my church I went to as a little boy virtually on Sundays. Oh. <laughs> and I make all, you know, everybody laugh. And mm -hmm. because... Eve, for some reason, they still have, well, they still, not not this for some reason, but they still have the children's minutes in the church, the children's section of church where the pastor preaches specifically to the children. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, Dr. Catherine, I'm convicted most by the children's <laughs> message. And everybody laughs at me. I'm like, I don't come on here to be convicted by the children's part. I mean, you know, but it just speaks directly to me. But that's what faith does. It it convicts you in times and places where you least expect it. The mirror, falling off the horse. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that, frankly, you being an evangelical climate scientist and as someone who understands politics out here, I mean, that, that's part of our reality. Shoot, we can work that. I like it. <laughs> we can work absolutely as, as, as long as it's informing people. I mean, you you've enlightened all of us, uh, 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 even here, just now with this conversation and some of the things that that you shared. So, what do you say to people though? Because I I do mm -hmm. think you're right. A lot of people don't know. Um, a lot of people, um, even if they're no longer apathetic, mm -hmm. just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. people also, it can be overwhelming too. There, there's a sense I, also, I believe, of helplessness. You hear all of this, it's like, what we, and it, it, may, it may not be biblical, but it's like, you know, mm -hmm. what are we going to do? We're just literally all going to die. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so what, what, what do you say to, to that? Well, you're totally right. I mean, when you survey people across the U.S., 55% of people are already alarmed or concerned, but 50% feel hopeless and helpless. They don't know what to do because here we're told there's this existential crisis that threatens humanity as we know it. And it is humanity. That's why I called the book Saving Us. I didn't call it Saving the Planet. The planet is still going to be orbiting the sun long after we're gone. The question is, what's going to happen to us? <laughs> so, so that's why I called the book Saving Us. Right. And we're told there's this existential crisis that, that threatens civilization as we know it. And then we're told to change a light bulb and eat less meat. Mm. And, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, LED light bulbs save us money and use less energy. All of us could stand to eat less meat and more vegetables, and that helps with climate change too. And I do that myself. But we know instinctively that's not going to fix the problem. And so it just sort of, I think it makes us feel even more helpless. Like, you know, I tried to recycle and then it shut down during COVID. And what am I supposed to do? Right, right, right. So, so I started to look into this because, you know, the world has changed. The world has changed in very profound ways in the past. It's changed for women. It's changed for Black people. It has changed and it must change again. And how did it change in the past? It wasn't because a president or a CEO or a king or somebody big and famous decided the world had to be different. It wasn't because, you know, back in the day, the, the biggest slave owners decided that they were going to just voluntarily free their slaves. That's right. It wasn't because the men in charge of the political system decided that women should vote. 
It was because ordinary people of no particular power or wealth or repute, the very people that God talks about, <laughs> those people, not the famous big people of the world, the ordinary people use their voice. Yeah. They use their voice to talk about why it mattered and how the world could and should be different. And that is the way the world changed. And that mm -hmm. is the way it has to still change because there's so much injustice and climate change is making it worse. That's why we care about climate change. It isn't like I have a list of, you know, one, two, three priorities and then climate change is down here. Climate change is over on the other side and it affects everything at the top of my priority list today. And that's why I care. Yeah. And that's why you care. And that's why we all care. Right, right, right. And, and, you know, I've said to people, you know, being in the civil rights community and folk don't like hearing me say it. I was like, you know, mm -hmm. all the things we fight for, um, voting rights, justice and policing, the whole list of legislation. If we don't address climate change, we're not going to be around to implement any of that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's really <laughs> what we're up against. You said something. You had some gems. I'm, you know, now if, if you're married to a, a a preacher, you probably also know. You know, preachers steal from each other. So I'm I'm gonna use some of this, but I will give you credit. You, she all hear what she just said. She said that humanity, because the world is gonna keep on spinning, and I, mean, I don't think people think about that either. Which goes back to the whole, you know, God giving us dominion. You know, so when we go to God, what are we gonna say? Uh, well, I gave you all dominion and the earth is still there, but y'all not. I mean, so what do we have to say for ourselves? That's kind of that's kind of trifling. Uh, <laughs> so we we need to get it together. It's the parable of the talents, right? Yeah. Yeah. God showed very well. He's like, I'm giving you something and here's what I expect you to do with it. Mm. And we don't do it. Mm -mm. And which which is that, that folks, that's the story of the Bible, really. I mean, we really go through the whole peace you know it's it's a lot of it is about that people just humanity having a hard time mm -hmm. just following basic <laughs> very basic instructions is you talk about things on a global level though are there other countries other parts of the world that are that you see as getting it and doing mm -hmm. better with this even in communicating than we are here in the united states well, I'm telling you, in rich countries, when people, and the U.S. is definitely a rich country, when people learn more about climate change, if they are on the liberal side of the political spectrum, they get more concerned. But if they're on the conservative side of the spectrum, they don't. Because they realize that we have to fix this problem. And they realize that the 3.5 billion poorest people in the world, most of whom do not live in the U.S., they are responsible for 10% of global emissions. 10%. And the, those big companies I talked about, they're in the rich countries. If they're in the poor countries, they are there to extract their resources and leave devastation behind, mm -hmm. like in the Niger Delta, for example. Mm -hmm. So when you look at low-income countries that are already suffering the impacts of climate change, you know, the economic gap between the richest and poorest countries in the world increased by as much as 25% already because of climate change. So when you look at these low-income countries, the more people know about climate change there, the more worried they are. They get it. They're like, yes, it's here. It's now. It is affecting my crops, my water resources, the safety of my family's home. It's even affecting our political stability and our resources. And then they go to these big meetings like we're having in Glasgow at the end of this year. And they're just there to say, look, we're suffering the impacts. We didn't create the problem. How are you going to help?
And then in the meantime, you have all the rich countries just arguing over, you know, a, a 40% or 45% reduction in their carbon emissions. Well, in the meantime, these other countries are saying, look, our economy is going to be wiped out entirely. We're, we, we're going to have no resources. We're going to have no way to feed people. We're going to have no ability to offer basic services like running water and sanitation if we don't fix climate change. Mm-hmm. We're all in this together, but it isn't equal and it isn't fair. And, and two, um, especially in this country, when we think about it, all the other issues I just named mm-hmm. are literally being held up by one individual in the Senate who is the darling of the fossil fuel industry. And so when you think about it, even those industries and those interests affect all those other priorities you mentioned. So it's, it's, so on the one hand, existentially, cl- the climate issue is is confronting us all, no matter what side of the political aisle we're on. Mm-hmm. But then those who are making money still off of climate exploitation uh, are using it to prevent the other civil and human rights issues we need resolved precisely yeah yeah we got it we have to take that on we we really do mm-hmm. i mean yeah. for, for for everything but but you're right folks climate is at the top you're a professor um i want to um let's pretend i'm in your class i have um uh, my own way of putting this a lot of times and i'm, I'm going to run it by you and tell me if, if if you think this is a good metaphor so We've all heard of um, people behaving as though they're crabs in a barrel. All right. Um, but when when it comes to climate change, I like to draw the analogy of, of crabs in a pot. You mm. know, you, you, you go and get crabs and you take them home, you put them in the water. Mm-hmm. Now, the crab doesn't know when it first mm-hmm. gets in the water. Water feels fine. Mm-hmm. But before long, that water gets hotter and hotter. And the crab realized, wait a minute, I'm being boiled alive. And it seems like as, as human beings, that's kind of where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, even our daily, I mean, it, today, as we move around today, inevitably, because things have not changed, some things are getting better, but there's some, there are things still happening today that, affect the climate and the atmosphere that are that is endangering us and lessening our time mm-hmm. now the crab that pot is going to boil in in 20 30 minutes mm-hmm. here it may not be 20 30 minutes but it's it, it's it's still heating up unless mm-hmm. we figure out a way to mm-hmm. <laughs> turn that pot off is yes. that is that a, is that a good analogy 100 percent. Okay. yep because when the crab figures out there's a problem it's too late yeah, right. Yeah. But if you had crab scientists in there who were monitoring the temperature <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, <laughs> and saying, you better get out now, that's yeah. when they'd be able to do it. And so the difference is we have the scientists and you're right. Um, I've actually seen one of those cartoons. You might have seen it, too, where it, it shows it shows a, a Christian getting to heaven and saying, God, why didn't you save us from climate change? And God's like, I sent you scientists, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he used a different word, which I'm not going to repeat. But yes. right 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 folks um she's one of the nation's leading climate scientists case for hope and healing in a divided world saving us uh and she's on tiktok now as well um 
so folks, first of all, <laughs> would encourage you to follow her on Twitter, K Hayho, uh, at K H A Y H O E, and then on TikTok, Doctor Catherine. Now that's Catherine. She spells Catherine with two A's. K A T H A R I N E. Uh, so folks, go and check her out on TikTok. I support uh, all folks like us of a certain age getting on TikTok. Why should the young people have our fun? We all should get on TikTok. All right. Uh, yes. We have a TikTok, have a TikTok ministry. Um, so folks, please read the book. And and there's some things in there that actually help all of us communicate in this way. Um, we have got, you know, we talk about a lot of things, but as she's saying, th- this is the big, big enchilada, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm a guy. What we always talk about sports, you know, I, but I challenge, we always challenge ourselves, you know, when we do that, you know, to talk about other things that are important um, in, in, in life and in the world and things we need to do to save us. Uh, frankly, Dr. Catherine, I'm also some, I see some few, few signs of encouragement every now and then when, when the Biden administration announced half electric vehicles by 2030. And then the whole American auto industry was like in lockstep. I couldn't believe it. Like, really, you guys, are, you're going to go along with it. Yeah. You know, you know, but but see, even that's economic because what they got is other nations are doing it and they're selling those cars mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. but that shows how far people have come. People are, are willing to buy those vehicles now. Mm-hmm. But but these are things, folks, it's a process. We got to keep pushing it. And Dr. Catherine Hayhoe with her book, Saving Us, Us. Uh, as in all of us folks, we got to get ourselves together and mm-hmm. make this a priority. And the church mm-hmm. must do more. Mm-hmm. The church must be more vocal. The local church even. Bring it up, folks. The different projects that we do in our churches. Why not do something yes. in around climate change? You, 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 you encourage that too, don't you, Dr. Oh, absolutely. In fact, on my website, which is just my name, katherinehayhoe.com, I've got a whole list of what churches can do. There it is, folks. Do something. We have to spend some time of every day working on this, and then folk like me are going to continue to hold the mainstream media accountable. Maybe we will get a 24-hour cable network, and part of that broadcasting will be showing nothing but Dr. Catherine TikTok videos. Uh, <laughs> now you're you're really pushing me up my game on this. <laughs> People would love it. You know. So yeah, let's wheels are turning, folks. Wheels are turning. We'll come up with something. Dr. Catherine, such a pleasure to meet you. God bless you. God bless your husband and his ministry and in your ministry. You Thank know, you. Some of us in ministry folks, we not you don't have to wear a collar to be in ministry. Mm-hmm. Hello. Uh Dr. Catherine, we so appreciate you and thankful. You've you've even inspired and encouraged me, and and I'm going to use some of your words in the book to continue to talk about it. And you, I, I really try to slip it in in a lot of places. It may not be the subject on the table. So, well, let's got to add this in here. So, thank you for your inspiration. Okay. Thank you. You've inspired me as well. This has been such a pleasure. All right. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been May Plain.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.